I think you need to get some. You need to get some. Thank you. Please be seated. Oh, the funny things that happen in the world. You pay more for jeans with holes in them. They actually cost more. So I still get asked to speak at youth camps. So I can't do much with my hair. I think I told you last time I was here, I went in for an operation on my bowel. They thought I had bowel cancer last year. And uh, they said, you need to have chemo. And I'm not trying to be uh, disrespectful to anyone that's going through that because it's very challenging. But I was just trying to make light of it with the doctor. I think I may have shared it with you last time, but it's worth sharing again, I think. I said to the doctor, do I have to have chemo after the operation? He goes, yes, you do. We think you have a calcinoid, which is like a cancerous growth on the bowel. And I said, will I lose my hair? <laughs> and he just looked at me and he goes, it's not funny. <laughs> he was Samoan. And the doctor was about this high and about this round. And I thought, this is not a hungy. <laughs> You're going to operate on me. I said, doctor, one more question, please. Um, will I be able to play the piano after the operation? And he goes, mm, what's this got to do with your hands? I said, please answer me. Will I be able to play the piano? He said, I'm sure you will. There's no problem there. I said, that's great because I couldn't play it before. So he <laughs> sort of thought that's a, not a funny thing to say when you're about to have a serious operation. But uh, funny things happen in the world. I, I often go on YouTube to look up vintage cars because I like motorsport as a hobby. And all these weird things come on. And the other day, I was just going through in, um, YouTube and this world-known evangelist, and I'm not going to mention his name, but world-known evangelist has come up with this theory that you shouldn't buy second-hand clothes because there might be demons in the clothes. And so I thought, that's a little bit, maybe that's what the holy, these are holy. So there's no <laughs> demons in these jeans, right? But I, thought to, I said to my wife, I think he's got it wrong. It's not demon-possessed genes, it's denim-possessed, you know, so it's not, maybe he's just got it all mixed up, but there you go. You've got to have a laugh every now and then, don't you? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 16, is a passage of Scripture I've preached many messages from. It's a favourite of mine. Tonight I'm going to read from it. I have quoted it here before, but I'm going to read from it in the Message Bible. And I want to say there are five pillars that I'm going to share from this scripture that God recently showed me that are a description of how I've done my Christian walk. And I believe if you can get hold of these five pillars tonight, you will no longer struggle with insecurity at the level we all have bits of insecurity, but we won't struggle with it so it cripples our walk with God. We won't struggle with trying to find our destiny and our future because in this one revelation, it can change your whole situation forever. If you can get hold of these five words, and we're going to put them on screen in a moment, they are not five points to make a sermon sound good. They are five equipping pillars that if you go out of here tonight and believe it. You know, I go to a lot of conferences and sometimes for some leaders, conferences are just a time to catch up with your friends. But you know how many conferences I've been to where people have gone away and changed nothing? And one of the things I've tried to do is every meeting I'm in, every place that I go to where the gospel's being preached, I'm always asking, what can I take home? What can I apply out of this message? 
This is like the reheated pasta that I've talked about here before that when you cook it on Tuesday and Wednesday, I've mentioned it many times, it tastes better. This message tonight is not a wow message, but it's a powerful message if you believe it. And if you take it home, it'll taste better tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? They replied, they replied. Some say he is John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Do you know there's a some say church out there tonight? All over the world, there's more podcasts The Bible says you have many instructors, but very few fathers. And you know where the instructing's coming from now? On Instagram, on YouTube. And it's some say. Some say miracles are for today. Some say, oh no, that's just old school. Some say tongues is of the devil. If you go on YouTube, there's Baptist pastors in America that are saying it's demonic. And then others who say it's from heaven. Some say. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. I'm repeating it. The Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back. God God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expensive, I mean expansive, with energy, that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What an incredible passage of scripture. Two very important questions. Jesus says to the disciples, now you've got to understand, they are in Caesarea Philippi and Caesarea Philippi had many gods. And even at the moment Jesus is asking this question, the disciples were surrounded by images of all the different gods that were celebrated and worshipped in Caesarea Philippi. And in the midst of all these choices, he says, who do people say that I am? And it's interesting, only one person got the revelation and said, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, You're the son of the living God. I do not want to do my life on what some say. I don't want to do my life on what other people say because it could be wrong. You know, I am thankful for the Holy Spirit that is available to every one of us in this room that even when teaching is wrong, there's a uh uh-uh. I have listened to world-class preachers say things and inside of me there's, oh, there's a stirring and it's not indigestion. You know, sometimes I have many happy returns, but it's not my birthday. But anyway, that's not the case. And, and you get that stirring. And there are television evangelists now that are, are getting up in front of their congregation and go, for 30 years, we were wrong. Yeah. 
but I've been to the conferences where those people have been speaking. And everybody's going, yes, amen. Now they're getting up and saying we were wrong about the prosperity doctrine that they didn't have balanced. And I'm so glad that I'm not getting to heaven on what some say. I'm glad I'm getting to heaven on what I know He is. And tonight when I give you these keys, I pray that you will be blessed and equipped by them. I love motor cars. And many, many, many years ago, I used to buy and sell cars to help make an extra living so we could pay our double mortgage on our home. One day I was looking for a new car and a friend of mine, his name was Stuart Inkster, a shoe repair man who was in a very well-to-do shopping centre where he did key cutting and repairing shoes and he knew I was looking for a car and he goes, Danny, there's a little old man. He's in his 80s and he's not going to drive anymore and he's got this VB Calais Commodore that's a V8 and it's in immaculate condition and if you don't want to buy it, I will. I said, Stuart, is it that good? He goes, oh, it's amazing. And he's a little old man. He's not going to drive anymore. It's in immaculate condition. Have you seen it? Yes, I've seen it. I said, just get it for me. You know, can you put it aside for me? I'll come and pick it up tomorrow. Uh, if it's only $7,000 when they were going then for 12 or 13 And I picked up my new Calais. I told everybody what a wonderful bargain it was. I told people God had provided this amazing miracle of an amazing car until a couple of weeks after I bought it. I had to pick someone up from the airport. I was a youth pastor at the time and I was going to pick up a speaker for our youth camp. I took it through the car wash and the car filled up with water. (laughs) And it filled up with water. And I thought, this is not a baptismal tank. What's happening here? (laughs) I took it the next day to the authorities and they confiscated the car and took it off the road. Uh And they did some research and found out the little old man was a front for his son's crooked crash repair business. And that had been two cars that had been chopped in half and joined together, repainted and made to look like a close to new car. And the little old man was the salesman pretending he was getting rid of his car because he was too old to drive. And I made a decision on what some say. I never checked it out for myself. Now, some say can be good for us at times. People can say, come to church with me and we're glad we can say that and people can come and good things can happen. Not all some says are bad, but when it comes to your walk with the eternal God, you can't take a risk on some say. You've got to know what you say and what you know about who God is. I've had many challenges in my life. Grew up in a Christian home that became so religious that my very parents who raised me as a Christian did not like where I was heading in my expression of Christianity. And the day that I was ordained as a minister, my parents never came because they didn't agree with the church expression that I was involved in. The day I was ordained as a pastor, they weren't there because they didn't agree with our church music. We had drums in the church and drums are from the devil. So they told me to beat it. Oh, they said that. Oh. But I didn't let it get under my skin. Oh, that's really bad. And so as a 16-year-old, 
I'm trying to work out who God is. I'm connecting with him. I know he's real. But religion wasn't helping and churchianity wasn't helping. And I remember the first wedding I did in my family was my cousin's wedding. And it was the first time my parents came to anything that I did in the name of God. And I did the wedding. And after the wedding, I went up to my mother and I said, Mum, were you okay with that today? She goes, no. It's not the way we do church. I remember getting in the car. My wife, who's a lovely lady, but she, she can say it as it is. She's not one to give me sympathy. Sometimes I just want a bit of sympathy. But she's not one to give me sympathy. And she's so, so committed to God as a beautiful woman of God. Our two, our three little kids in the back seat. And I said to her, I haven't walked out on you. I haven't taken drugs. I've never drunk marijuana. I've never done those things. And yet my parents aren't proud of me. They don't love me. And I punched the steering wheel of the car like any drama, drama queen Italian, you know, bang. And she looked at me, she goes, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for Jesus. I said, I know. But it just would be nice to be amened and appreciated and affirmed. But I can take you back to the age of 11 in a little Baptist church where I encountered my first encounter with Jesus Christ where I had a revelation of him I won't go into now. I can go back to the day when the call of God to ministry came on my life as I was working in a menswear store and a pastor walks in and he goes, you're not going to be selling clothes anymore, but you're going to be serving Jesus and you are going to get confirmation from God about this is your life calling. And I got on the bus that night and there were tickets that the bus driver would give you when you got on the bus and it had the saying of the day on the back of the ticket. And as I turned the ticket, it said, whatever's around the corner, God's already there. Written on the back of the ticket. And a journey began over several months of the call of God becoming a non-negotiable in my life. It would take more faith to walk away from it than to walk with it. And I remember when God called me to Edge Church, which now is a church that's influencing the world. And how three and a half, four years ago, God told me to go to the wider body of Christ. And you know the story of what's happening now. And I want to tell you, friends, they are not secondhand stories. They are not evangelistically stretched stories. They are true stories of my own what I say of who he is and that's for all of us God has our own story you see ladies and gentlemen your story and my story becomes our story and they become his story you know why we serve at church because we're creating God's stories we don't serve to plug a hole we don't come to church to serve because the church needs our help No, we come together just to discover another God's story and another God's story. And every time we get opportunity, it's another opportunity for God's story. And so here we are, the the disciples are gathered together and Jesus says to them, who do you say that I am? You know what everybody else is saying and it's a confusion, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says this, you are the Christ, not a Christ, Not one way to God. You see, Sister Oprah, who tells us to hang on to our own truth, there's no such thing as our own truth. There's only God's truth. There's only truth. You can't have different truths. There can only be opinions of the truth. Who doesn't believe 
that it's wrong to have many ways to God. She doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way to God. But Peter didn't say, oh, you're one of the great teachers. You are a God, but of course there are many. You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and five things happen. Can we put them on screen, please? Number one, is there any cure for baldness? I reckon there is, you know. My wife says, why don't you grow a beard and pull your head in? Well, I tried, but, you know, it's still not there. Number one is deity. The first thing that happens to Peter is he has a revelation, not of Jesus the good man or the good teacher, but Jesus as God. You are the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And I want to say to you, my friends, tonight, unless you have an inner knowing that he is deity, you are never going to live a life of clarity. And I want to tell you, my friends, doesn't matter what rules we have in our world on same-sex marriage or anything else because our identity comes through our sexuality, you will never find your identity until you discover deity. And when you discover deity and who made you and who created you, then number two, you will discover identity you see Peter now that you know who I am I'm going to tell you who you are do you know how many Christians are still trying to find their identity in what they do we are not human doings we are human beings and as human beings we don't find our identity in what we do I've said it here before but I'll say it again tonight because you might not have been here when I said it but I don't come up to you and say, I'm ex-menswear salesman Danny. Hello, I'm electrician Bob. Hi, I'm plumber Fred. No, we just say, hey, I'm Fred. And you know, what do you do is the next question, isn't it? People say, what do you do? Oh, I'm a plumber. And it's not wrong to say I'm Pastor Danny because there's an honour thing that needs to be there in respecting the office. I haven't got time to explain that. But when we draw our identity... Through what we do, we miss out on connecting with deity. And ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus tells me next week to stop preaching and stay at home and love my family and go and work for the local government and be a witness, I am a minister Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, out in the community, not on this platform tonight. This is the platform I've got for tonight, but I'll have another platform tomorrow. I will have a platform next to someone on the plane tomorrow on my way home and I will probably have a divine appointment and I'll keep having divine appointments because my identity It's not found by who responds to the altar call tonight. There's a lot of altar calls that don't alter people's calls. But I want to tell you, you can have a massive altar call here tonight that will alter your call when you walk out of there because your identity is found in deity. You know what that means? To me, that means I never need to chase the will of God. The will of God chases me. All I've got to do is chase God. Because Jesus says to Peter, Hey, Peter, now that you know who I am, I'm going to show you who you are. About six or seven weeks ago, maybe a bit longer, a couple of months ago, I get a phone call. Hey, Danny, remember us? A businessman in Adelaide, one of the largest businesses in our city. Our daughter is 19 years old. 
and she is suicidal. We don't know where to turn. You often talk to us when you come to our business and would you be able to just come and talk to her because we don't know what to do. She's on medication for depression. She looks in the mirror and she hates what she sees. She wants to take her own life at times and she's got a beautiful boyfriend. She's doing well at university. She's working in the family business. She's attractive and yet she hates herself. I said, I'll be there in half an hour. Got in my car, went down to the business where this guy is working with his family. And I sat down with his daughter, we'll call her Lisa, but that's not her name. So I sat down with Lisa and her mom and her dad and we're sitting there and I said, do you believe in God? And Lisa said to me, yes, I do. But I don't think he likes me. I don't think he likes me. I said, why? She goes, well, look at me. I'm fat. And she wasn't. And even if she was, that's inner beauty that's important. But she saw herself as ugly. I said, you're beautiful. Her mum and dad were sitting there. I wasn't saying anything inappropriate. I just said, look at you. You're beautiful. You've got so much going for you. Tears start running down her face. I said, Lisa, have you been bullied? She goes, yep. Bullied at school. Social media. She goes, yep. I said, you're on medication, aren't you? She goes, yep. I said, can I just pray that what I believe is true will become true to you because if I'm just selling you a product, I'm just abusing you like everybody else that's abused you. But if what I'm telling you is true, and she'd been to our son's funeral, I'm pretty sure she was there and she knows our family and she knows that what I believe, I believe. I own it. And I said, do you trust me that I'm telling you the truth? She goes, Yes. Can I pray for you? I grabbed her hands and I prayed for her. Her face just changed in front of me. She got baptized about three weeks ago. Broken up with her boyfriend, but bringing him to church. Yeah, come on, give the God a lot of hand of praise. I was at the family business a few days before coming here. Her mum, Teresa, comes up to me and goes, Danny. All she talks about is Jesus. She's trying to convert all of us because <laughs> the parents are not even, or they're Catholic background, but they're not church attenders. And they came to her baptism. We've now had a meal with her mum and dad. They are all starting to come in church. Her brothers are coming. Her boyfriend, they've broken up for bringing a physical relationship. And she goes, I don't want you in my life until you've got Jesus. And he's coming to church and finding out for himself who Jesus is. And you see, I went home from this experience and I went back to this passage of Scripture the next morning in my journaling and I discovered that Natalie found her identity when she had a revelation of deity. You see, all those things that she thought about herself, ladies and gentlemen, this is recorded and it's on podcast. She's not on medication She's been totally set free. She's walking with a freedom because her identity, come on, give God hand praise, is found in deity. So when we're telling the world there's no God, we come from nowhere, we evolved from a blob, that's enough to really make you feel good about yourself, hey? Think, yeah, I came from nowhere, I'm just a lump of flesh, I just evolved. 
one day I'm just going to rot in the ground. Some of us don't even get to live a full life as I've experienced with my own family members. It's not real good, eh? It's not enough to want to get out of bed in the morning and not have entitlement. When the world's told this is the only life you got, make the most of it. This is the only life you got, just go and enjoy it. We have commercials on TV in Adelaide and the rest of Australia on baby boomers spend your kids' inheritance. Don't leave it to them. They can find their own. Travel the world, mortgage your house. Because if there's no other way of identifying ourselves and who we are, then it's all under the sun. As I said this morning, not above the sun. And Solomon, the man, the wisest man on earth, tried everything under the sun and it didn't work. You see, you know what happens? It's Peter this day when Jesus is speaking, finds out that his identity is found in deity. And when he finds his identity in deity, Jesus tells him about his destiny. Hey, Pete, I got a job for you to do. I want you to build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to stop you. Too many people try to find their identity in their doing without finding who deity is. Because when you find deity, I'm repeating this a lot tonight, I want it to get into your spirit. When you know who God is, you'll know what he thinks about you. And he will tell you that your identity is found in him. And then you go, okay, what is it that you want me to do? And he brings your destiny to you. He goes, Peter didn't say, well, I've been waiting for this moment. Come on, Jesus, about time you tell me what I want to do. No, Jesus... You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Well, okay then, Pete, now that you've got that sorted out, I'll tell you who you are. And now that I tell you who you are, Pete, not only that, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. I'm going to show you your destiny. You're going to build my church. But not only that, when you do what I tell you to do, you're going to have authority. Because the gates of hell ain't going to stop what you do. I believe if I'm living in daily obedience to God... No devil in hell or human being can stop my destiny, even if the people around me get it wrong. I remember I've had pastors in my life that have not identified what was on my life over the years. They got some of it wrong, but it doesn't really matter because I'm not employed by the assemblies of God, or they, in those days I was, but I'm not employed by a movement. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's my boss, and He's your boss. And when you discover Him as deity, He will give you your identity then he will bring you your destiny and you will walk in authority and then you will have victory. Whatever you bind on earth, Pete, will be bound in heaven and vice versa. This is not an arrogant man wrapped up in himself statement. But listen, as far as I can look back and I make mistakes and I have insecurities And I do things at times, I think I shouldn't have done that, that was a carnal thing to do. But as far as I can look back, I've always tried to find my self-esteem in Christ. Because I'm not the greatest preacher in the book, I'm not in the world. I get invited to things and I think, why did they invite me? I was a menswear salesman, I sold underpants. (laughs) It was only for a brief time. Oh! (laughs) And then you preach in churches like this church. And you think, how did I get here? But you see, all I've done is trust a deity. I haven't had business cards. 
You know, when I got credentialed in the Assemblies of God 30 years ago, I've never used that credential from that day to this. I'm not in that movement anymore, but I never used it, not even for a car park. <laughs> Some people pull out their business card with the ministry of hints. I'm passing through, would you like my ministry? No, 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 when you know deity, you don't have to worry about anything because he will make sure that your identity stays intact. And when we trust him with that, he can trust us with destiny and then authority will come on our lives and we will live in victory even though there are moments where life can be really, really tough. And he said these words to Peter. Just got to check the time. He said these words to Peter. Peter denied Christ. Peter made a whole lot of mistakes. Only a couple of verses after this statement, Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to the cross. I've got to die. And Peter goes, I'm not going to let that happen to you. No way, Jesus, will we do that. You're not going to suffer like that. We will stop that. And Jesus goes, get thee behind me, Satan. How do you go from deity, identity, destiny, authority and victory and get thee behind me, Satan? Three verses later. That's how quickly we can jump out of revelation into reason. He said, you are thinking from a human point of view. And even as Christians, we often slip into a human point of view. If I talk to that person, they'll open that door. If I get to that green room at the conference, that door will open. And I want to tell you, God is coming back for a church that doesn't trust who's who in the zoo. It doesn't trust who we're hanging with. It's who deity is because he will establish our identity, our destiny, our authority, our victory. Now listen, if we can do that as individuals, then have a look at Church Unlimited. Church Unlimited is committed to deity. That's why you have prayer meetings. The reason why this church is committed to deity is because you know without him you can't do anything. Thank you, Adrian and Pastor Tark and Pastor Adrian for never getting to a place where you think we know how to do this. But you've stayed dependent on God. And if you stay dependent on God, deity will always be at the top. So Church Unlimited has an identity. This morning we called it your accent. Tonight we call it your identity. It's the same thing. You have an identity and as a church you have a destiny. And that destiny will carry authority. And that authority will lead you into victory. Does that make sense? See, those words are my life story. And yet there are many times when I thought I was going under. And Jesus said these things to Peter. And you know, if we go over just for a moment before I close and you go over to 1 Peter 5, now Peter is at the end of his life. He's no longer now in the room or on the field where Jesus has made this statement to him. He's now a little old man. And in 1 Peter 5, he makes statements like this. 1 Peter 5 verse 2. Care for the flock. Don't lord it over the people, but love the people. Shepherd the flock as an overseer, not an oversteerer, an overseer. Peter is writing these words to the elders. Do you think he was just writing instruction? No, Peter was telling us his story. See, he found deity personally. So now at the end of his life, he's going, hey guys, Shepherd the flock, because there was one time I walked away. There was a time I denied Christ. 
And there was a day when he found me and he said, Pete, do you love me? Oh, Pete, if you love me, feed my sheep. So now at the end of his life, Peter is telling us his testimony. He's going, gay, hey guys, come on now, shepherd the flock. Because there was a time I nearly walked away from that and I nearly stuffed up my life. Further down in the chapter, he makes a statement like, humble yourself in verse 6 of 1 Peter 5. Humble yourself under God's mighty power and in the right time, he will lift you up in honour. Uh, do you think Peter was maybe thinking of that night when Jesus takes a towel and he takes a basin and he starts to wash the disciples' feet and Peter says, not me. And Jesus says, I have to do this, Pete. And he goes, all of me. You know, Peter was all or nothing person. But now he's writing his story. It's not just history, it's his story. And he's going, humble yourself before almighty God. Then he goes on and says, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Well, there was one night they were in a boat. A storm comes up. And would you believe it? Jesus is asleep in the boat. Fast asleep in the middle of the storm. What does Peter say to Jesus in the boat? Don't you care that we perish? Don't you care? And then he realises with Jesus in the boat, we don't have to care. And Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson. But now at the end of his life, Peter goes, cast all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Peter's going, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you, I nearly denied him once or twice or three times. But I'm living my life still an apostle, shepherding the flock. I'm still caring. I'm still humbled before him. He was crucified upside down, history tells us, because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. Oh, be alert. Don't fall asleep because the devil roars around like a roaring lion. Be alert. Don't you think Peter was just thinking of that night when they fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane? And Jesus goes, can't you stay awake for an hour? Can't you pray with me? And now at the end of his life, Peter is telling his story. Not what some say, but what he knew. I'm not the greatest preacher on the earth, but I have a story. And it's a God story. And when I travel around the world, people are not just interested in the art of preaching. They want the heart of what can come out that's your story. And every one of us in this room don't have to read books and tell a story you read in a book. Every one of you. The day I was born, the doctors told my parents I would not survive three months. They said I had an incurable condition and that I would be dead by the time I was three months. My dad held me up and he held me up in his arms and he said, Father, if you can heal him, you can have him. And I was healed instantly overnight. At the age of four, I was taken to a T.L. Osborne uh, crusade in South America where I saw a blind young girl. I think it was a young girl, a young girl about 10 or 11 years old, born blind, yet totally healed in that crusade. And a miracle happened that broke out over a football field. And all my life, I can tell you stories where I was there and I saw what God did in others. But even that's not enough, as good as that story is. And my dad cries when 
when he talks about what happened when I was born and he always confirms the story to me every time I ask him because I don't want to tell a lie and he goes, no, that's what happened. But I can stand here tonight and I don't just say what some say, but I know what I say and he is my deity. He is my identity and therefore he gives me my destiny so I can walk in authority and have victory. I want the musicians to come tonight. But you know, my grandson said to me, no, no, I'd like to get baptised. I said, you're a bit young, 10 years old when he asked. But I was preaching at the church that he attends. And one Sunday morning, I'm preaching on hearing the voice of God. He took notes. And at the end of the meeting, he came up to me and he goes, no, no, you had eight points, I've got ten. All starting with the same letter. And he found two more points. I said, Elijah, give me your notes. I'm going to preach from yours. I hope you get to see this one day. I'm not, ministry of hints is not happening right now. But I said, Elijah, I want you to travel with me. And as my grandson, I'm going to ask you to stand in front of churches and tell your story of how Jesus has held you up when your daddy died. A couple of days after I preached, my daughter-in-law sent me this that I'm going to read to you right now. Mum and I were in the car talking about having your own story that you hold on to when times are tough. When things are going bad and you question, is God real? You need to have your own God revelation. I realised God was saying to me all week, Jeremiah 29 verse 9. I didn't know it was God speaking because everybody says Jeremiah 29 11. So I asked mum to read her Bible on her phone and then I read it. God, you've given me the scripture, Jeremiah 29 9, that says they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. When I was at Keithcott Primary School, the kids used to say to me that the church was playing with my mind and that God never existed and He couldn't be real. They also said that I was being delusional. God's given me this scripture so I don't have to doubt Him anymore. I know that He's real. And I only need to listen to his voice. Ten years old. I said Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, uh, Elijah. Ezekiel's the older one. He's 16. I said, Elijah, you really know Jesus, don't you? Because he ministers to me. When I cry, he says, no, no, don't cry. Heaven is our home. I want to show you the picture of me baptizing my grandson. There he is looking up at me. Look at those eyes. Look at that face of trust. And it breaks my heart because that's his brother who his dad baptised a few months before he died. And now his dad is in heaven and the older brother is standing with me as we baptise the younger one. Not some say. Not some say. What do you say? To see that little boy 
And I don't know what life's going to bring. To have a 16-year-old brother, that one who's baptising with me, say, no, no, I want to finish the work my dad started. I want to be a youth pastor. You don't feel tonight that that's churchy manipulation. I didn't push him to get baptised. I'm not trying to force my kids into a religious behaviour that'll keep them safe from the rotten world out there. He had his own revelation. How does God put Jeremiah 29.9 in your heart when you don't even know what that verse says and then get your mum to look it up and it speaks to his current abuse that's going on at school? Friends, The only way to do our Christianity is to know what we say. What do you say? What do I say? Because even preachers at times, including me, of course, we can get it wrong. But God loves you that much that he can protect that. You know, I've said things to people think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. But God has this way to protect us when what we hear around us is the amen to what God's already putting in us. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you in Jesus' name, become a journaler. Journal every day if you can. Keep a journal with God. Read the Scriptures and write down what comes to you as you read. You'll be shocked over months and weeks what God has been saying to you. It's amazing. Can we bow our heads in prayer right now? I believe there are people in this room tonight that you go, I don't know what I say. I guess I really do go on the fact that I was raised in a Christian home or I've been coming to church and I love what I hear and I love what happens around me, but I don't know if I know how to hear God's voice. There's so many in the room tonight, you go, I want to hear God's voice, but I don't know when it's Him, when it's me when it's possibly even the enemy. And I feel that if you start giving some attention to the Bible and start reading with expectation, grab hold of a diary. Oh, the greatest thing you could do tomorrow is go out and buy a God diary. Get yourself a nice pen. Start reading a few chapters of the Bible and say, Jesus, I don't understand it like I should, but can you... Let something stand out to me as I read it and I'll keep reading it until something stands out and then I'm going to just write it down. You will start a journey with God that for me has become the most exciting part of my Christianity, not my preaching. I don't do it to get sermons. I do it to know deity. Because the more I know deity, the more I'm in my identity. And because of that, I will walk in my destiny. I will carry godly authority. And I will live in victory. While every head's bowed and every eye closed tonight, maybe you've never been connected to Jesus. Maybe you came with a friend tonight and religion is the last thing you need. But maybe you've heard something tonight that makes sense in your heart, not just your head. And go, if Jesus is that real, if He is the Christ, if He is the Messiah, if He is the Son of the living God, well, He's the only one that rose from the dead and the resurrection is a fact of history and our whole calendar is built on what happened to Jesus. 
But tonight, you don't have to hear what I say. You can know in your own heart what he says to you. But it starts by Jesus, I don't know you. I want to find out that you are deity. So I'm going to open my heart up and say, God, if you are all those things, I want you in my life. I do believe there are people here tonight that there was a time you had an experience with God that now you're questioning, was that God? Was that me? And you've been around churches, but there isn't that conviction of what I've just spoken about. And tonight you can come home to that conviction and know deity again and start your journey of identity again and get clarity on your destiny and walk out of this place with a sense of no defeat. God spoke to me and there's people in the room tonight and at the end of the meeting, I wanna pray for those of you that have struggled with your self-worth. You've been struggling with what, what do I do on the planet? Why am I here? And you've been struggling with your identity and at the end of the service when it's all over and we've closed the meeting, I love you too much to treat you like a sausage machine. I'm gonna stay down here and I'm gonna wait and I'll talk to you and I'll pray with you because I want you to walk in your destiny but if you are disconnected from Jesus tonight you know that you're not even at that first place of connection you're disconnected I'm going to pray a prayer that's going to invite Christ to connect with you again or for the first time if you would like that tonight and say I want to be connected to God because I'm disconnected right now will you slip up your hand and I'll see it and you can put it down again and I'll pray for you and with you tonight that you'll be connected to Jesus Christ, not the church, Jesus Christ. He will connect you to the church and the church won't hurt you when you do it the right way. But you're disconnected. You go, I need to get connected. Will you slip up your hand? I'll see it wherever you are. Thank you, God bless you. You can put it down again. Anybody else? Just lift it up high. Thank you, God bless you. Fantastic. We're so grateful because this is the truth tonight. I'm not preaching a, I'm not selling a product. If my 11-year-old grandson can get hold of this, let me tell you, don't miss out tonight. Don't miss out. Please don't. Anybody else? I believe there's three more people at least in the room. Thank you, God. Bless you. Thank you, God. Bless you. Come on. I think there's at least one more in the room. I'm not trying to get numbers here. I just want you to connect with deity. So just one more. I'm just going to ask one more time. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Let's all give Jesus a big hand tonight. Come on, church, let's all pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, that my identity is found in you. I believe with all my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord and you have a plan for me. I want to connect with you. I want it to be real. I want it to last. And by faith, I open my heart to you. Take away the blockages that have kept me from you and touch my life with your love tonight in Jesus' Name. Father, I pray, and I want every Christian in the room to pray with me under your breath, but Father, I pray for every hand that's been raised tonight 
that wants to connect afresh with you tonight or for the first time, whatever that is. I believe there's others that didn't raise their hand. And, and, and Lord, I just thank you that this is not a gimmick. This is not something we do to get numbers into the church. But Father, if what I said is true, why wouldn't we want the whole world to have this? And Lord, I want everyone in this room that's disconnected from you to connect with you because you are our hope and you are our hope of eternity. And Father, tonight I pray for those beautiful people that have raised their hand. And as we just pray with them one more time, just as we stand and sing in just a moment, Father, let this be a moment they will never forget or regret. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to stand. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us. I'm going to come down the front. And if you raise your hand, If you didn't raise your hand, you can still come. If you brought someone, invite them. And I just want to pray for people to connect with God. Then I'm going to hand back to um, Pastor Tark tonight. And then afterwards, I want to pray for any of you that are dealing with your whole self-worth issue. And I want to spend a few moments with you. Thank you. I'll be down here. You come and join me as we sing. Thank you, guys.